0: Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. <clears throat> Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So we're reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, first canto, uh, chapter 8. I think it's text 25. Nope. Whoops.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Text 25. Okay, so I'll chant the Sanskrit myself then. Yes, please. Okay. Vipada santutan sasvat, tatra tatra jagadguru, guro, babato darshanam yad syat apunar babadarshanam, vipada santutat tashashashvat, tatra tatra jigad Babato darshanam yatsyad apunar babadarshanam. One more time. Vipada santu tash ta shashvat tatra tatra jagad guro. Babato darshanam yatsyad apunar babadarshanam. Word for word translation. Vipada calamities. Santu let there be. Ta o, Sashvat again and again. Tatra there, tatra, and there, jagat guru, O Lord of the universe, babata, your, darshanam, meeting, yat, that which, syat, is, apuna, not again, Darshanam seeing repetition of birth and death. Translation and purport by his divine grace, Sesi, Bhaktivedanta, Swami, I wish that all those calamities would happen again and again so that we could see you again and again. For seeing you means that we will no longer see repeated births and deaths. Report. This is Queen Quinty speaking, of course. Generally, the distressed, the needy, the intelligent, and the inquisitive who have performed some pious activities worship or begin to worship the Lord. Others who are thriving on misdeeds only, regardless of status, cannot approach the supreme, <coughs> sorry, due to being misled by the illusory energy. Therefore, a pious person, if there is some calamity, there is no, therefore for a pious person, if there is some calamity, there is no other alternative than to take shelter of the lotus feet of the Lord. Constantly remembering the lotus feet of the Lord means preparing for liberation from birth and death. therefore, Even though there are so-called calamities, they are welcome because they give us an opportunity to remember the Lord, which means liberation. One who has taken shelter of the lotus feet of the Lord, which are accepted as the most suitable boat for crossing the ocean of nations, can achieve liberation as easily as one leaps over the holes made by the hoofs of a calf. Such persons are meant to reside in the abode of the Lord and they have nothing to do with a place where there is danger in every step. This material world is certified by the Lord in the Bhagavad Gita as a dangerous place full of calamities. Less intelligent persons prepare plans to adjust to those calamities without knowing that the nature of this place is itself full of calamities. (coughs) They have no information of the abode of the Lord, which is full of bliss and without trace of calamity. The duty of the same person, therefore, is to be undisturbed by worldly calamities, which are sure to happen in all circumstances. Suffering all sorts of unavoidable misfortunes, one should make progress in spiritual realization because that is the mission of human life. The spirit soul is transcendental to all material calamities. Therefore, the so-called calamities are called false. A man may see a tiger swallowing him in a dream, and he may cry for this calamity. Actually, there is no tiger and there is no suffering. It is simply a case of dreams. In the same way, all calamities of life are said to be dreams. If someone is lucky enough to get in contact with the Lord by devotional service, it is all gain. Contact with the Lord by any one of the nine devotional services is always a forward step on the path back to
1: Godhead.
0: jananjana shalakaya <clears> Chakshur tasmai shri <throat> Shri Chaitanam and Obishtam, Stapitam in Abutale, Swayam Upagadamayam, Dadati Swa Paranthikam. Bandeham, Shiguru, Shriyuta Parakamalam, Shiguru, Vaishnavam, Sha. Rupam, Sagrajatam, Sahagana, Raganatam, Vikam, Tamsajivam. Sadvetam, Savarutam, Parijana, Sahitam, Krishna Chaitanadeva. Sri Radha, Krishna Padam, Sahagana, Lovita, Shrikashakam, Vikam, Sha. Hey, Krishna, Krishna. Sindhu, Dina Tap the Rade, Vishabhana Sate, Panamami, Kripa Maha, Sri Krishna, 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 Rama, God. So <clears throat> thank you for inviting me to uh, give the class. I'm very honored and happy to be here. So this is one of the most uh, famous verses uh, in the uh, in Krishna consciousness. It's, you know, it's quoted by Prabhupada. It's quoted by devotees again and again all over the place. And uh, Prabhupada actually uh, at least he gave at least one class on this verse, maybe more, but in any event, one of them that he gave was um, transcribed, and it was, uh, became a chapter in a book called The Teachings of Queen Kunti. There's was, was, was actually a book of, uh, <clears throat> on these prayers of Queen Kunti that was formulated by uh, transcriptions, which consists of transcriptions of lectures that Prabhupada gave in Los Angeles, I believe it was 1973. I'm just about pretty sure I'm positive it was 1973. So those lectures were transcribed, edited a bit, and they they became the book "The Teachings of Queen Kunti." So <coughs> we get to hear Prabhupada's uh, purport on his purport, so to speak. Anyway, uh, I looked up that lecture to see what additional insights I could get into the, you know, into what Prabhupada is saying here about this verse. And I did find something, you know, which made, which I found interesting and which I thought added additional clarification to the points he was already making. So uh, in one paragraph, in one point in his lecture, Prabhupada is talking about um, the mentality, uh, the mentality of a devotee when the calamities come. So he, uh, I'll read this paragraph. He says, Kunti Devi says... Let there be calamities. <clears throat> Let all those calamities happen again and again. And Prabhupada's comment is, because she knows how to remember Krishna at times of danger. She is welcoming danger. She says, I, I welcome dangers because when dangers come, I remember you. When Pallad Maharaja's father was put in, put, uh, putting him into dangerous predicaments, Pallad was always thinking of Krishna. And here, then here's the general principle Prabhupada's is going to give now. He says, so, if we are put into a dangerous, dangerous position, and that danger gives us an impetus to remember Krishna, that is welcome. Quote: Oh, I am getting this opportunity to remember Krishna. This is this is a, a devotee's mentality. Why? And then, a, end quote. Prabhupada says, Why is this welcome? It is welcome because seeing Krishna or remembering Krishna means advancing in spiritual life, so that we will not have to suffer any more of these dangers. Chaptaphag Dehampunarjama Naiti Sojana. Bhagavad Gita chapter four text nine. If one becomes advanced in Krishna consciousness, the result will be that after giving up the body, one will not have to take birth again in this material world. That this is to be desired. So for a devotee, it's kinda of like a no-brainer. You know, it's okay, you know, there's some dangers and some inconveniences and Calamities, but hey, if it's going to get me out of this cycle of birth and death and let me go back to Godhead, okay, it's worth it. Anything to get out of, you know, get out of here, so to speak. So, but for the non-devotee, you know, it's like totally bewildering. The, the, Prabhupada, here, Prabhupada, gives us in the, in the kind of the next paragraph or the next as he continues on in that lecture, Prabhupada, you know, presents the reason why and this, this is very important to understand, the reason why uh, non-devotees behave the way they behave. And uh, I'll just read this: it. it says, suppose I'm very comfortable at the present moment. My body may be comfortable, but there will be death. And then another birth. After giving up my present body, if I get the body of a cat or dog, what is the meaning of my comfortable position? Death is sure. And after death, one must surely accept another body. We may not know what kind of body we shall get, but if but we get. But we can know from the Shastra, the Vedic literature. The shastras say that according to our particular mentality, we get a particular kind of body. Although I may be in a comfortable position, if I keep myself in the mentality of a dog, I shall get my next life as a dog. Therefore, what is the value of this comfortable position? I may be in a comfortable position for 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, or utmost 100 years. Yet, when I give up this body, my mentality causes me to become a dog, a cat, a dog, or a mouse. Uh, no, Yet, if, when I give up this body, my mentality causes me to become a cat, a dog, or a mouse, what is the benefit of this, comfort, of this comfortable position? Uh, but people do not consider this. They think, now. Here, this is what I found very interesting. Prabhupada is going to tell us what's going on inside their head. They think, especially in the present age, I am now in a comfortable position. I have enough money and a good estate. I have ample comforts and enough food. And here comes the, the big sense: When this body is finished, I am not going to take birth again. So as long as I am living, let me enjoy life. That's how they're thinking. You just heard the foundational conviction of the non devotee when this body is finished, I am not going to take birth again. You know, they don't believe in a soul, in God, and they, they have a total different picture of reality. You know, so therefore they think, following on from this idea that. You know, when I when I die, I'm not when, I, when the body's finished, I'm not going to take birth again. They you know come to the logical conclusion for them based upon their you know, their understanding. So as long as I'm living, let me enjoy life. Yeah, of course, why not? If you're convinced, if you know, if you if you are totally like convinced that you're not going to take birth again, that makes perfect sense. Let me, as long as I'm living, let me enjoy life. But then Prabhupada, Prabhupada says. This is the modern philosophy of hedonism, comma, but it does not correspond to the facts. And that's, that's the important point right there. This doesn't correspond to the facts. Now, what facts is Prabhupada talking about? Well, for Prabhupada, facts meant basically uh, statements in the Vedic literature, and he's kind of referred to that earlier. Um, and something I read here he said we may, we may not know what kind of body we shall get but we can get we can know from the Shastra the Vedic literature so in other words uh, that's for, for Prabhupada that's facts facts are and, then, and not just for Prabhupada for the, for the Acharyas and, and for devotees you know who are following the Acharyas that's our primary um, source of facts, Shabda Brahma. You know, what it says in the Vedic literatures, we accept as factual. And according to the Vedic literatures, uh, there is birth after death. There is, Yeah, there is birth after death. There is repeated birth and death in this material world. So, now, but the thing is this. People that uh, are there any other for today? For people to uh, accept that is, is is very difficult. Actually, in the, in this lecture, a little bit earlier in the lecture, Prabhupada says something interesting. He says um, this Krishna Conscious Movement is giving all facilities so that people may come here, chant, dance, live peacefully. Take Krishna Prashan and be happy, but people will not accept it. This is called misfortune. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, portraying the people of this age, therefore said, I am so unfortunate that I have no attachment for chanting Hare Krishna. Oops. Just did something here. Sorry, just got to Gotta be very careful with these screens if you touch them the wrong way. You're... Okay, yeah, so people are, um, Locetani, as it says here, is portraying the people of this age. He's uh, they have no attachment. They have no attachment for, no for chanting Hare Krishna. The people of this age, and they have no attachment for accepting the Vedic version, you know, the, the information that's coming from Vedic literatures. And it's just just to give you uh, an idea of how unfortunate people. Even aside from information coming from Vedic literatures, because somebody might say, "Well, you know, you just have to accept that on faith," and uh, we we like to go with science. There are even aside from the the statements of the Bhagavad Gita and the Srimad Bhagavatam and the Chaitanya Charitamrita, there's either there's other information out there which uh, is saying that when you you know when you die, that's not the end of everything. I'll give you an example. Um, I don't know how I got onto this, I did something maybe like something 20 something years ago. Uh, Oh, yeah, now. I, there was this magazine that was produced by the devotees called Origins Magazine. It was produced by, uh, well, Ramaswar was the editor-in-chief, I believe. That the, the devotees who did most of the research and writing were Drudakarma, uh, Sataputta, of course, and Drudakarma, with a devotee named Madhavindapuri being sort of like their research assistant. So there was an article in it where it was talking about um, how consciousness is uh, irreducible. And uh, he was presenting different types of evidence. So anyway, one of the things they were presenting is a, this a phenomenon of children who remember their past life. And I found that really fascinating. And that, you know, they mentioned the work of this one man in particular, this professor at the University of Virginia named Ian Stevenson, who had basically started around the same time as Prabhupada in, in the mid-60s, early 60s, researching this phenomenon of children who, at the ages like two, three years old, when they first began to speak, they would, you know, make statements about how they were, uh, you know, how they didn't want to be where they were. They wanted to be with their real family, and they would, you know, give all sorts of information and details about their previous family, where they lived, what they, what the family was like, what they did, and anyway, a lot of this, you know, when they, they would record this information, then they they would go and check it out, and it worked out as accurate. Anyway, I'm just going to read you like a, a paragraph off the, uh, the back of a book that was written by this man um, called Where Reincarnation and Biology Intersect. And it kind of gives like an overview of the whole phenomenon. It says, children who claim to remember a previous life have been found in many parts of the world, particularly in the Buddhist and Hindu countries of South Asia, among the Shiite peoples of Lebanon and Turkey, the tribes of West Africa, and the American Northwest. Uh, This man, Stevenson, collected over 2,600 reported cases of past life memories, of which 65 detailed reports have been published. Specific information from the children's memories has been collected and matched with the data of their former identity, family, residence, and manner of death. Birthmarks or other physiological manifestations have been found to relate to experiences of their remembered past life, particularly violent death. In other words, they, have, they might have a birthmark where the death wound was. So in the previous life, they might have been stabbed 10 times in the chest. So the, the child you know, who's claiming to have been that personality got stabbed 10 times in the chest has a birthmark in that same spot with like 10 puncture wounds like that. Or somebody might have got shot through the head with a gun and he, that, that person has a birthmark with the entry wound smaller than the exit wound in the exact same spot. And sometimes they can, you know, they have to get autopsy reports. So this is how they're able to verify this open. Anyway, reading on it says here, uh, anyway, so uh, he just basically points out that uh, there's an increasing number of these cases. And uh, so, you know, why don't people just, um, they should suspend their tendency to disbelieve and consider the evidence. But once again, it brings us back to the same point that Lord Chaitanya is making. He says, you know, portraying... How does he put it here? I'm going to get back to that place. Portraying the people of this age. I am so unfortunate, but I have no attachment for the chanting of the heart. They have no attachment. It's just, it boils down to people being unfortunate. They're unfortunate. They can't accept the the information in the Vedic literatures. They can't accept uh, empiric empiric knowledge even that leads to the same conclusion. Uh, They find it's very difficult for people to even accept the process of just chanting and taking prashanam and, and dancing. So but there's no alternative. <laughs> there's no alternative. Um, and, and and ultimately it really comes down to the uh, to that you know we have to try to be very just like what Chaitanya says in the third is Shashastuk prayers. Amanina that one has to try to chant the holy name of the Lord in a humble state of mind thinking oneself low in the straw in the street, more talented in the street, avoidable sense of false prestige, and bettered all four respects to others uh, in such a state of mind. One can chant the holy name of the Lord constantly. One can become, you know, get in, get interested, be involved, become attracted. But if one's not prepared to do that, then it's really nothing's going to help. I mean, the be honest, I, I tried this. I mean, how I got into all this is I was at a uh, you know at a place in my devotional service where I was feeling I was kind of frustrated because you know, I wasn't I was feeling like hey I'm not getting the result I want to get you know I I, I kind of I'm chanting I'm engaging in the process but you know I'm not experiencing that higher taste and I, I don't feel like I'm getting the realization I, I was I was kind of becoming almost like like doubtful and so I I. I took shelter of this stuff. I got interested in this stuff to kind of help me be feel more confident that, yeah, what I'm, what I'm reading is true. And it's what, I'm, what I'm coming across in Prabhupada's books is true. Look, here's evidence. Here's empiric evidence to support what's being said in the Bhagavad Gita. As I said, I got, just to give you an idea, i got a whole bunch of these books here. I've collected them over the years. You know, just to, you know et cetera, et cetera, uh, to give me, you know, that increased conviction that, okay, here's all these books, all this empiric evidence, these are people who are scientists. They're not, you know, they're not devotees. They're they're, they're, they're not, they have no uh, motivation. They have no reason to, to, you know, to present this knowledge, these conclusions which, which support the Vedic conclusions. And yet that's exactly what they're doing. So And it did help. It did help. When I read that, I, and I studied these books, I watched the videos, and I thought, wow, yeah, there's something out there. There's empiric evidence that supports the Vedic worldview. And it was helpful to a certain extent. But it was just that. It was only to a certain extent. It, 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 it doesn't really – because ultimately it just comes back to the point where you got to become humble and surrender. Just like in the Nectar Devotion, uh, this I can't remember exactly where it is, but there's one place where Papa it says it talks about how knowledge and renunciation can give you a foothold. They can give you a foothold in devotional service, but ultimately, uh uh-uh. it's 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 just bhakti. See, so, and is ultimately you have to uh, you just have to be prepared to really try to, you know, just become humble and surrender and avoid the you know the offenses and chanting. And just do the process, you know, engaging Krishna consciousness, just like it is presented when we first, you know, to us when we first join. In other words, if there's some problem, if we're experiencing some difficulty in advancing in Krishna consciousness, we have to take it as our defect. You know, we have to take it that I'm doing something wrong. It's not the philosophy. There's nothing wrong with the philosophy. There's nothing wrong with the process. There's a, something wrong in the way in which I'm understanding the philosophy and there's something wrong in the way which I'm executing the process. You know, we have to take that. You know, we have to take it the defects on our part. The defect is not on the part of a, you know, the, the way the spiritual master is presenting the philosophy or the way the philosophy is presented or the pro, nuh-uh. it's with us. We have to be humble like that. Here in Los Angeles, I'm a resident of New Dwarka Temple in Los Angeles there was one incident like that. These Some devotees went to Prabhupada and with some uh, some of the more, how would you say, controversial or inconceivable, it, you know, they brought to Prabhupada's attention some statements from the Krishna book and other things which were really, <coughs> you know, kind of hard to uh, believe. You know, they mentioned about Ugrasen's 10 million, 10 quadrillion bodyguards and Chitra Kedu having 10 million wives and something like that. And I said, you know, Papa, we find these statements kind of hard to relate to. How do we explain it to other people? Anyway, Papa made that point. He made that point that, you know, if there's something in the Shastras that you don't, that you can't understand, you, you have to take it as, it's, it's you. It's, it's, you can't, you can't find, you can't place the fault on the Shastras. You can't place the fault on the philosophy, the process, the acharyas. you have to be humble and you have to think of it as, I'm not purified enough. You know, when, when, when I get, Purified, then I'll understand these things. And that's the, you know, the, those statements are there. And the, uh, uh, you know, that, that's the way. That's the way to make advancement. There's that statement, pra- pra- uh, verse from the Padma Purana, Prabhupada used to quote Krishna, namadi, indirye, spadati. Like Krishna can't be understood with the blunt material senses. Well, you know, the mind is one of the blunt material senses. I mean, the mind's not a spiritual sense. It's just, one of the blunt material senses. So, you know, if, if we're thinking that when our mind comes across something that, and you know that, that it just balks and what? That can, how could that be true? That doesn't, that doesn't tally up with my, my uh, experience of reality. What's your experience of reality? You know, it's, 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 you just you can't listen to your materially conditioned mundane mind, right? It, Krishna can't be understood by a materially conditioned mundane mind, but. Uh, you know, Sevan Mukhe Hijivado, Svayam but he's understood by devotional service, uh, you know, performed in a submissive, humble way, beginning with the tongue, you know, tasting and vibrating. Um, same same point is there in the 10th um, chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. Krishna says, Tesham Satthi Yuktanam bhajatam Priti Purvakam Dadami Bhudi Yoga Tam Yenamam Priyanti Tesham Avana Kam Partham Tamaha. He he explains, Krishna explains in those two verses the process for making advancement in devotional service. He says, to those who are constantly devoted and worship me with love, I give them the intelligence by which they can come to me. Those those who are prepared to engage in devotional service, surrender to the process, um, give them intelligence how to you know, to to, to uh, engage more favorably in devotional service. And the result of that will be, he says, uh, out of compassion for them, I who am dwelling within their heart, destroy with the shining lamp of knowledge, the darkness born of ignorance. So that's it right there. That verse right there explains how one goes from being unfortunate to fortunate. And that's the only way. There's no other way. And Krishna's within the heart. And he has to ultimately, it's Krishna has to destroy with the shining lamp of knowledge the darkness born of ignorance. Krishna's got to enlighten you from within. And whether that happens because you're sincerely engaging in sadhana bhakti or you, you get the mercy of a pure devotee or, or whatever, that's ultimately what has to happen. Otherwise, you remain unfortunate. Until Krishna does that, until Krishna destroys with the shining lamp of knowledge the darkness born of ignorance, you're unfortunate. You're not going to be attracted to the chanting. You're not going to be attracted to the philosophy. You're not going to be attracted. You're just going to be as, you know, you know, portrayed the people of this age. You're just going to remain unfortunate. And um, so that's the, uh, that's a very important point. And, uh, you know, tying this in with what I was saying, where humility comes into is that to just today I had an interesting experience. Was, a devotee I was going on sankirtan with, I can't remember what how he led into this, but he made the point that we're we're always servants. And he's he saying that even in the spiritual world, even when you go back to Godhead, it's not like you know, you when you get out of this material world and you go back to the spiritual world. Okay, now I'm free, I can do whatever I like. You know, I could serve Krishna. Okay, I have to serve, I could serve Krishna this way. No. You're part of a group. This is what he said, you know, just when he said it, it just really rang true. You're part of a group and, you know, you, and there's a leader to that group. You have to follow the leader of that group. Like, you know, the gopis, and, and, and there's groups of gopis. There's lots of gopis, you know, and there's, and, there's, and there's a leader to each group. So you have to follow that leader. And then all those leaders, they're a group and they have a leader and they have to follow that leader. And then all those leaders, it's like there's a hierarchy. And ultimately, they, they're following Radharani, You see? But it's not like any, any one person is following Radharani directly. That's what Lord Chaitanya meant. With, dasu, 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 dasu. He wanted to be the servant of the servant of the servant of the servant. You see? So that's spiritual life, you know, to become the servant of the servant of the servant of the servant. It, 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 from what I can understand, there's no other way, you know? It, 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 I, I tried this other thing, now, you know, I, I mean, I, I really got full on into it. I read these books, and it was interesting, and, and it, was, uh, it did help me feel more convinced about, yeah, there's, you know, it, it, what's being said in these books is true. We, we, we're more than just this material body. We actually are eternal spiritual beings. Look, there's empiric evidence that supports that, but I don't feel like I move forward in my devotional service Maybe to a certain extent, you know, by becoming feeling more convinced about that, but then it just took me back to the same place. I got to surrender, you know. I got to surrender to the, to the, you know, to cooperating with the devotees. I have to surrender to engaging seriously in the process, cooperating with the devotees, you know, taking direction from devotees who are, you know, above me in the hierarchy, back to square one. And until you prepare to do that, uh, you really don't, you don't go any place. You know, you're just staying in the same place. So <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's this is not a, a it's, it's not a movement. If you want to call the shots, you have to stay here in the material world. Krishna consciousness is not for uh, that mentality. You know, we have to be prepared to take that, take the direction, you know, take the right like Prabhupada, Prabhupada's selfie, he presents himself on numerous occasions he said oh, nothing special about me I wasn't like a great scholar or I wasn't like a you know very super renounced person just said I just had faith I had my faith in my, what my spiritual master said uh he gave me an instruction I just had that faith that I got to do that and if I do it everything's going to work out and he, you know that was that that was Papa. when Papa was talking about himself he, he presented that as his main sort of qualification that he had implicit faith in what he heard from the spiritual master and he was prepared to just really just surrender to it. And he did, you know, taking and inconvenience like that. And that's what he, uh, attributes his success to not, not the fact that he was a great scholar, not the fact that he was a great renunciate, uh, not that he had, you know, was a great businessman or something. No, just that he was a, a very humble, simple servant of his spiritual master. And, uh, you know, because of that, he got the blessings. He became, he got empowered to spread Krishna consciousness all over the world on the strength of that mo- most important quality. So uh, I don't know how long I've been talking, but I think maybe I'll. How's that worked with the schedule? If I stop there, would that be too soon? or uh, No, that's
1: that's about right, actually. Uh, but we must okay. Have-
0: uh, just- yeah, so I'll stop there. Maybe we could, uh, if there's anybody like to say anything or uh, ask any question, we could do that now.
1: Okay, that sounds
0: great. Thank you, Bobby. Yeah, five forty-five. So I'm about five minutes ahead of schedule, but that's okay. you both that's so smooth. are you all of you from Texas, or is this like is everybody who's on this? Uh, conference, uh, this Zoom conference from Texas there? Or am, I, am I talking to a bunch of Texans, in other words, or, or is this people from all over the country or what's going on? Uh,
1: many of us are from Texas, um, I think Texas, so. okay. Many of us are from, uh, from other states.
2: California.
0: Oh, California? And
2: yeah, a few, about a, a few miles away from the temple, LA temple. Okay. Yes, Prabhu, I added, um do you think it is difficult for the devotees here in America to, um, see, how can I word this? Do you think we have more stumbling blocks because we're so comfortable materially that, that uh, ebbs our, you know, it uh, ebbs our spiritual life by being surrounded by so much luxury and in all the uh, facilities that devotees here in America has, is more difficult to, or not difficult, but it it puts a damper on our uh, devotional service by being so comfortable.
0: Yeah, let me uh, quote a verse from the Bhagavad Gita and then mm, mm, trying to answer that question. mm mm-hmm. makab buddhi Okay. So this is, this is Christian speaking, and this is the principle, you know. He says, in the minds of those who are too attached to sense enjoyment and material opulence, and are bewildered by such things, the resolute determination for the devotional service to the Supreme Lord does not take place. So, the answer to your question is yes and no. In other words, it's not the material opulence that is the, is the problem. It's our attachment. If we're if we're too it's, if our minds are too attached to sense enjoyment and material opulence, then yes, we'll be bewildered by such things, and the resolute determination for devotional service to the Supreme Lord does not take place. So we have to understand that you know it's not it's not the material opulence. Um, it's not the sense. It's our attachment to it. Our minds' attachment to it. So you have to, but the, you, the mind can become attached to sense enjoyment and material opulence in any part of the world. You know, I mean, the I would say in Kaluga the pauper is proud of his penny. You know, <laughs> like here in America we're proud. We become our minds become attached to a nice car or a nice apartment. But if you you could be living in Siberia and your mind would become attached to a you know, a nice warm room or something like that, or that would be a material enjoyment, and material opulence and sense gratification. So we have to, uh, you know, not have our minds become attached, to that sense should go material opulence. And the, the only way to do that, that's Krishna explains that a little further on in the same chapter here in the Bhagavad Gita. I'll read the verse. He says... Um, this is like 15 verses going forward. He says, so This is Krishna's recommendation or explanation, having not have your mind attached you know, to material sense gratification and material opulence and, and then consequently become bewildered. He says, The embodied soul may be restricted from sense enjoyment, though the taste for sense objects remains. But ceasing such engagements by experiencing a higher taste, he becomes fixed in consciousness. See, so in other words, just restricting your mind from the sense enjoyment, just like you know, trying to go, no, I don't want that nice car, or any car, or I don't want that luxurious apartment, or you know, that ain't going to work. You know, I mean, it, it, it it can work very temporarily. But it's it's not it's not the program that's going to you know enable you to be ultimately successful. According to idea. he explains why because the taste for those sense objects will, will still remain. Because if you just forcibly restrain yourself, repress yourself, yeah, you could do that, you know. But the the, the the taste for the sense objects will still remain. It's just a matter of time. You'll do it. You'll go after that car. You'll go after that woman. You'll go after that. Uh, apartment, whatever it is, you know, you, you just, you can hold yourself back from it for a while, but it's just a matter of time. And if that's all that's keeping you, you know, from doing it, you'll, you'll wind up going after it. But Christian says, but when you, when you cease those engagements by experiencing a higher taste, then you become fixed in consciousness. So that's what we have to work at doing. We have to work at getting a higher taste. So how do we get a higher taste? Well, I mean, there's some basic things that everybody can do one thing that's really important is to hear from a pure devotee. I don't know if you're, you know, well, I don't think you, you live near the Los Angeles temple or what what part of LA or San
2: Francisco? Marina del Rey. Marina del
0: Rey. Okay. Well, you know, there's a, there's a website it's called Prabhupada Vani and it's got all the Prabhupada's lectures on it right from, uh, you know, February of 1966, which is probably Prabhupada recording the introduction to the Bhagavad Gita, right through till the last thing he said in 1977. Prabhupadvani.org. And you can just, I do it. I, I can just, I just go on that website and I play those lectures. I'm listening to them. I was back when the whole COVID thing started, I started right from, uh, you know, the very first one, February 1966. And I'm working my way through them. I'm up to uh February thirteenth or February 14th, 1969, here in Los Angeles. Prabhupada was talking on the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, sixth chapter, starting with text one. It's called the Yoga System Lectures. And uh it's great. It's great. You know, you you are hearing in Prabhupada. And uh, you know, Prabhupada's like um, you know, it's, it's like investing your money in uh government bonds or something like that. It's like it's like a you know, it's a sure thing investment, you know. If that folds, then you might as well forget about the whole thing. So it's like you're on safe ground when you're hearing from Prabhupada. At least that's how I feel. And it's really nice because you're hearing what he says. You can meditate on the philosophy. And you could be thinking about, you know, the the pastime of Prabhupada. I mean, I can't help it when I'm listening. I'm, you know, I'm now Prabhupada's in New York. He's in the Bowery. And now he's over here. And this is what's happening. And now he's, you know, because and, and, I, I read the lila and read you see, so I can, you know, kind of match what's happening in the movement to what's Prabhupada saying. And it's like a meditation. You know, it's more than just hearing the philosophy. You get absorbed in the whole Leela, you know. So that's very nice. And the, I get a lot of inspiration from that. That helps me a lot to do that. So, you know, once again, this is on the point of how to get that higher taste. And that gives you, and, and you know, the number of times that you hear Prabhupada emphasize the importance of chanting Hare Krishna. And also, if, and when you listen to these lectures, it doesn't just start with the lecture. It has, whatever whatever was recorded, whatever was done on that day, a lot of times it was recorded. So you'll notice that a lot of times the devotees chanted the, the maha mantra for like 15, 20 minutes, a half hour before the Prabhupada actually started speaking. So now as Prabhupada just didn't just talk about chanting Hare Krishna, he chanted Hare Krishna. And so did his followers. You Know the devotees, and, and you can hear that, and it's, it's, it's really far out to just sit there and listen to the devotees just chant Hare Krishna. You know, saying the same melody, the most simple melody, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, for you know a half hour like that. And it really made wow, this is you know, this is for real. His proper wasn't just talking about it, he, you know, he did it, his followers did it. So, anyway, that's 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 very inspirational, and then um. Then, of course, you know, the next step, well, if you haven't already, be chanting yourself. You know, Papa never said that everybody has to live in a temple. Sometimes it's, you know, I mean, even now, even if you wanted to come to the temple, there's no temple to come to. We're closed, you know, except for the people who live in the ashram. There's nobody's allowed to come to the temple. People have been coming here for, you know, 50 years or whatever, and they can't even go inside the temple and, and take darshan. So, what to do? Well, we have the you know the instructions: chant sixteen rounds and follow the four good principles. And even on, on that point, I heard Papa say in a lecture. He said, "Even the rules and regulations may fail." He said this. I heard it. Okay. He said, "Even the rules and regulations may fail. Still, the chanting should go on." See, so, so in, other, in other words, even if somebody, even if somebody's not able to follow the rules and regulations, and that that might happen, you know, it's not easy. Especially if you're not living in the association of the devotees, and uh, you know, I, I mean, you're living someplace out there in the material world. All that's all that's going on out there is breaking the four principles. So following the four principles is is no, you know, mean feat. It's so okay, but that's a, don't it's, 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 if you somebody's not able to follow the four legitimate principles, from my understanding of the philosophy, that's no cause for despondency, you know. I I mean, especially initially, I would not worry about it. Start chanting. Chant. Because if you do the chanting, eventually you will be able to follow those rules and regulations. You see? And then you're you're that much more solidly situated in Krishna consciousness. So it begins with the chanting. The very first thing is the chanting. You know, to get into the chanting. You know, chant the kirtan. Try this thing. Go on Prabhupada Vanya and chant along with the devotees. I don't know where you're at. I mean, I don't know if you're somebody who just came to Krishna consciousness recently or you've been, you know, doing it for 40, 50 years. I, I have no idea. But just in general, you know, anybody, I'd say start start with the chanting. You know, chant, and whatever chanting you could do, if it's kirtan, chant the kirtans with the devotees, you know. Sometimes I do that. I'm just, you know, sitting there. I'm, I'll be in the book room or something like that, just cleaning up or whatever. And I'll just chant along with you know that kirtan that that that's um, before the coming up for Prabhupada's class, and um, and then you know if you get if you have beads, start chanting some rounds. It's not hard, you know. And you say, well, you know, I don't I don't get any taste. So what? There's so many things we have to do that we don't have taste for. I mean, I don't know. You look like you probably played some sports or something like that when you were younger. I mean, you remember when you had to work out? You know, there's no higher taste. It's just something you do. Because you know, i got to do this to get in shape, right? You see? So, like, you, you, the human body is is um, designed to, it has the capacity for tapasya. You see? And we're prepared to perform so much tapasya for material things, to achieve material uh, goals. And then when it comes to something spiritual, uh, four rounds, I don't know if I could chain four rounds. Ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I mean, from my perspective, you know? It's, it's, There's human beings that could run 26 miles in in, in less than two hours now, not much less, seconds less. It just just, gives you an idea of the capacity of the human body for performing tapasha. You know what that means? That means they're running back to back miles in less than four and a half minutes on average to to, to do that. So, I mean, to say, for somebody to say, it's too difficult for me to change, I'm not trying to make, you know, I don't know what you're doing, as I said. So I don't. I hope that I'm not trying to put you in the spot, but no, no, no. General, you know, for somebody to come and say I can't chant, you know, a few rounds. What? You know, it's ridiculous. You just do it, you know. And um, but you know, the mind is very powerful. The mind is very powerful. But you know, once we decide that we, you know, we're just going to do it, it's 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 amazing what you can do. Something that I do that helps me. uh, It's been helping me for the last few months. you know, there's this book that was written, um, compiled many, many years ago. It's called um, Namamrita. It was done by a disciple of Srila Prabhupada. And what he did was he tried to take all the statements in Prabhupada's books, not letters and lectures, just the books, about the importance of chanting the Hare Krishna mantra. And he um, and he put them into, you know, uh, into like subject matter. And he organized it in terms of subject matter. So it's like this is 400-something pages long. And it's just... One purport or one, yeah, one purport after the other, you know, emphasizing and talking about the different aspects of the importance of chanting Hare Krishna. So, you know, I, I, sometimes I would read that book and it just helps you become more convinced. But um, I found one, just, I think I found this, just reading through the fourth canto, I found this um, one, a uh, couple sentences in one purport that I've been focusing on now for a month or so. It's very short, it's very simple, but it just for some reason it just helps me get my bring my mind back to the chanting. Prabhupada says, mantra delivers the conditioned soul from his bondage. That's what a mantra does, you know. The a ma- mantra, real mantra, a true mantra, Shabda Brahma, it delivers the mind from its material conditioning. That's what's that's what the bondage is, okay? So Papa says, so mantra delivers the conditioned soul from his bondage, comma, no, sorry, semicolon. So simply by chanting <clears throat> the mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hari, Hari Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Here it comes. One can gain deliverance from any condition. In other words, whatever the problem, chanting is the solution. That's what Papa just said there. That's what you just heard. i read it again. So simply by chanting the, the mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari, Hari Hare Rama, Hari Rama, Rama Rama, Rama, Rama Hare, one can gain deliverance from any condition. So I just, I just, it's on my phone. You can see it. I have, you know, I have the thing, this thing called Pocket Vedas. It's an app. I think it cost me $25. Maybe it's for free now, who knows? But it's all Prabhupada's books. And I got it right there on the phone. So anytime I want, I could look up you know something in any of Prabhupada's books and I bookmark that. It's like a favorite is one of my favorites. So what I do is I just go to my uh, when I you know when I sit down to chant, I open this up, I put it in front of me and I'll just you know I'll look at it from moment time to time just to remind myself just you know I don't really read it and I just just kind of but it just reminds me that hey, don't 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 think about anything else. I don't have to try to solve any problem now when I'm chanting or plan anything or nothing. Just just chant and hear it. And and th- 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 whatever the problem is, whatever whatever it is, wherever it is, I want to go. Wherever it is where I want. This is it. This is what I got to do. Just whatever I can gain deliverance from any condition. If there's anything I don't want. This will this will free me from it, and it'll bring me to whatever I do want. You know. And I just chant. And it's very helpful. Uh, another thing I do, which helps me, and, and once again, we're talking about, you know, uh, getting that taste, getting the higher taste. There's a verse in the, um, in the first canto of the Bhagavatam. It's Narada Muni talking to Srila And he says to him uh, at one point, he says, oh, good soul, does not a thing apply therapeutically? Cure a disease, which was caused by the very same thing. And this for me is like a really uh, important verse. Because, you know, there's some devotees, I've I, you know, kind of watched them uh, in their careers in Krishna consciousness, very intelligent. They're able to just, um, you know, they had enough control over their mind and their lives that they were able to just do things kind of the right way, right from the beginning. Unfortunately, that wasn't me, you know? Uh, so, I, you know, like, it's, been, I think it's very hard for me. I could do it, but... To sit down, just to, you know, to, to go through the you know the beginning of the morning program, to just sit down in the temple room and just start chanting, uh, I could do it, but it's, I have to really push myself to do it. Something that really helps me, and I pretty much do this every morning, is I found this place I can go. It's about a ten-minute walk from the temple. It's it's the it's a parking lot next to a Trader Joe's. I don't know if you're familiar with where the temple is, but it's 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 about ten-minute walk from the temple. And if there's a municipal parking lot adjacent to a Trader Joe's, I go up on the roof, you know, fifth floor. And uh, there's nobody up there because it's the fifth floor. No cars, but, you know, every, it fills up by the, by the third floor, what to speak of the fourth floor. Nobody goes up to the fifth floor. So I'm up there all by myself. It's, it's nice and spacious and clean. Nobody goes up there. Nobody bothers me. And I just go up there and I perch myself on top of one of the uh, pillars there. I have a rubber mat that I take with me. I put it on top of the thing so my bottom is not too cold, you know. And I face, I perch perch myself there and I face the east, you know, where the the direction that the sun's going to rise in. And I start chanting. And I watch the whole sunrise. And, you know, I watch from the first light in the sky. And even before that, sometimes, you know, it depends upon the time of the year. You know, I got the moon there. You got the sun in the morning and the moon at night. You know that song? Yeah, so it's, it's, it, but it's, it's enlivening. It, it helps me. It helps me, the fresh air, you know, and, and especially when the first light comes in the sky and it starts getting brighter. I, you know, the, 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 I remember there used to be this expression about the uh, ring, the Ringling, Ringling Brothers and Bonham and Bailey Circus, the greatest show on earth. Well, you know, I disagree. For me, the greatest show on earth is the sunrise every morning. That's the greatest show on earth. Um, you know, it's, it's like, it blows my mind. I, I, you know, I never get bored. I, I don't know how many sunrises I've watched and it's never boring. And, it, 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 you know, like, it doesn't get like, oh, I've seen that before. Uh-uh. It's like, every morning it's like, wow, this is horrible. Look at this. It's like, a, you know, an art show at every second, evolve, changing at every second, you know? It's amazing. Anyway, so I do that and it helps me chant. I get energy from that, you know? It just, and it, it it's not. It's physical, and it's 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 it's, it's more than that because it, it it's kind of like without me even trying, it it turns my mind, it transforms my mind in from being an atheist to a theist. You know, as I watch that whole thing happen, without me making any conscious effort, I start feeling, yeah, no, nah, there's no way that this is all happening by accident. There's something really wonderful behind all this. I mean, there is some very wonderful, powerful intelligence behind all this. There's no way this could happen. I just, it's, it's, I'm not trying to think like that. It just happens automatically. And then of course that uh, inspires my chanting. Then, you know, that helps me get more into the chanting. And I do that. And then right as the sun rises, you know just when it goes right up above the horizon, I have certain uh, mantras that I chant, which are in, you know, Prabhupada recommended in the books, you know, in, in the different purports in the Bhagavatam and elsewhere. So, I, you know, I found those and I, uh, I learned them and I recite those. I chant it. As soon as I see that the sunrise, I, I have about three, four, five mantras that I chant like that. And it's like a whole meditation. And um, it helps me. I get my rounds done. You know, and it's not painful. It's not like I'm pulling teeth or something like that, you know. I enjoy it. It's, 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 it's uh, tapashi in the sense that, you know, I, I'm, it's like a workout. You know, I, I mean, I, I got to put effort into it, energy into it. But you know, so what? I had to do that when I was playing basketball when I was a kid. It's you know what I mean. There's nothing wrong with exerting yourself. So it's just you know, yeah. I'm not saying it's exertion free. No, there's exertion there, but it's it's not. Uh, I don't feel like demoralized. I feel like okay, and even if I don't get a taste, you know, like a like a, a genuine, just just the whole the overall experience is very enlivening and exhilarating. So the point I'm making is that, you know, as I quoted that verse, oh, good soul, does not a thing apply therapeutically, cure a disease which is caused by the very same thing. So somebody might say, okay, yeah, but yeah, but you're just attached to the outdoors. You're just like, you're like you attached to nature. And so, yeah, okay, maybe, but I'm using it in Krishna service. You see? see? So that's what you, that's Muni is telling Chula Vyasa so If you're attached to something, if you got an attraction for something, figure out a way to use that in Krishna service, you know? I, I was told that in martial arts, that's kind of a big principle, you know, uh, jujitsu or kung fu, I can't remember which one, but you, you use the a person's energy against them, you know? Like if you see that coming at you, like you, you kind of like, rather than just try to oppose that force, you take that force and turn it around on him, you know? So it's kind of like that, you know? if, if you like say you like music. or Okay, so you, you learn how to do music to serve Krishna. Art, you learn how to do art to serve Krishna. Cooking, so you cook for Krishna. And in this way, it's called dovetailing, actually. And it's a really practical way to um, help you be engaged in Christian service. You know, this is, for me, this is is very practical. It helps. You know, as I said, if I had to do it, I could stay in the temple room for the whole time and do it. But I'd be pushing myself, you know. I, I mean, I'd be suffering. I'd be thinking, you know, oh, man, I'm missing that sunrise. But, you know, I could do it, but. This this and this I feel like I'm doing something that's it's, it's not it's not anything wrong with it, and it's helping me to do what I you know I'm supposed to be doing. So yeah, that's you know that's just like a, a tip. I mean actually kind of that that that's my... Oops. Oh, that's all. Thank you. Yeah. Anyway, it gives you an idea. Anybody else have anything they'd like to ask or? Uh, you could make a comment, too, if you want to. I look forward to meeting you, by the way.
2: Yes, Prabhu, I'm a recipient of, of your book distribution. I found the, uh, a book in a pile of trash, Easy Journey to Other Planets in Beaumont, Texas. And uh, Sarvabhauma Prabhu, he uh, he brought me to Krishna consciousness. Wow! All Krishna Maharaj. That's been since what eighty? Um, yeah, about since eighty. So
0: we were—I um, don't know where in Marine Del Rey you are, but we've been doing this program for probably about six months now. where we've been uh, packing Bhagavad Gita's in a plastic bag with a little. Um, flyer in it, and hanging them on people's doorknobs. And uh, we went down to that area, but, but you know, Marina Del is a big area, but we were, we were down there.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm in walking distance of where they give Ratyatra, which is so missed this year. I'm in walking distance.
1: Oh, maybe, wow, okay.
2: Maybe a half a mile Yeah, from where the devotees are, every rathyatra.
0: Yeah, we, we only went down as far as Lincoln, and then I stopped. Okay. I was trying to, you know, concentrate on areas with a lot of apartment buildings. So, you know, uh, sort of as you go west, I guess it's west, of, would it be west? When you, as you go past Lincoln down towards the beach, it starts becoming single houses again. So we kind of stopped there. But anyway, when this whole thing disappears, maybe we'll, we'll come around the temple and we'll be able to meet each other in person.
2: Yes, bro. are you in Texas?
0: No, I'm at New Twerka In Los oh, Angeles. I'm yeah, sorry? Yeah. yeah, I'm here in New Dwarka in Los Angeles. Okay. Wow. You said were you saying Marina del Rey? Yes. Yeah, so you're in Los Angeles then, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. So I look forward to meeting you and cool. over. Yeah. How are you doing there, Sarv?
2: I'm I'm fine, so nice to see you. Uh, One of our Bacchus has a question on the chat. Maybe you can read it.
1: Sure, or Doug, would you like to ask the question, or would you like me to read it? Okay, I'll read it. Doug says Hare Krishna Prabhu, what strategies have helped you continue oh, you to- gotta be
0: louder. I can I can hear your voice but I can't make out the words. Oh make it louder. Can you hear me now? Yeah.
1: Okay. Hare Krishna Prabhu, what strategies have helped you continue to distribute books during COVID?
0: Okay, I heard the part. Distribute books during COVID. What was the first part?
1: What strategies have helped you continue to distribute books during COVID?
0: Okay. Well, uh, I'm I'm only participating in one strategy, but I'm familiar with a couple others. Um, our membership director, with in cooperation with our temple president, was able to build up a bit of a credit with the uh, with the BBT. So we've been, as I just kind of sort of mentioned, we've been doing this program. We've been putting books in plastic bags with a little flyer in it and hanging them on people's doorknobs because especially here in LA, that's pretty much all we can do. I mean, uh, you know, Los Angeles has been kind of a hot spot for quite a while now. So we're not really in a position to interact with the general public, you know, talking face-to-face or anything like that. So we, that's one strategy. But there have been, uh, right at the beginning of the whole thing, there were a bunch of devotees here in Los Angeles, but mostly in um, ISV, you know, Iskand uh, Silicon Valley, and a group uh, from New York. They were doing really well on the internet, they were uh, contacting people on Facebook. They were making calls and they were uh, actually selling sets of Srimad Bhagavatams in many cases, certainly like, you know, a bunch of books to people who they'd never met. And, um, you know, with great success, uh, actually more sets of Bhagavatams and Chaitanya Charmizam is sold this year, believe it or not, in North America than, than in any year leading up to this by far more. It's like, wow. yeah, by far more. And then the most far out thing for me is one of our uh, boys, on our Sankatan team, he uh, he started, he was doing that, but he got he, he kind of ran out of uh, steam doing that. And, and so he just started, he went on traveling Sankatan and he started trying to sell sets of, a set of Bhagwatans to people he would meet on the parking lot, in a Walmart parking lot. And he went out, he just came back. He just went out again, actually. In a, in a, a three month, 10 day trip, it's 100 days, he sold 40 sets of Srimad Bhagavatams to total strangers he met on Walmart parking lots. I mean, like, I never, I can't imagine that. Like, I never heard of any, nobody's done that. That's a first. Sarva, you ever heard anything like that? 40 sets of Srimad, and you got, he got the proper, you know, he got the cost price for him. 40 sets of Shreemata Bhagatans in 100 days. That's almost one every other day. Wow. To total strangers, on a, you know, that he's meeting on a parking lot in Walmart. Unbelievable. Maybe so he
2: went to their homes. He must have cultivated them a little bit extra.
0: Yeah, yeah. A lot of them required some follow-up. But the initial contact was just meeting them on the parking lot in, in, in a Walmart. You know? which is like, wow. Amazing. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what I'm aware of, strategies. The big thing is, from what I can understand from all this, is you just got to try. You know? You know, I remember, actually, I I was in Australia for 11 years. I was sent there. I was was traded there, actually, (laughs) for another couple of modologies. And, uh, but during the time I was there, at one point I was on this program called Contract Sales. And what that was, was there was a couple of devotees here in America. I think it was Pragoshan Chipperari. They tried to start a program to sell um, sets of Prabhupada's books to, um, you know, to people. So they got the um, mailing list or something like that. They, they got something from Omni Magazine, which was kind of like a real alternative magazine during the day. And they uh, they contacted those people, and they were trying to sell sets of books to these people whose names they got from Omni magazine, maybe their subscription list or something like that. And it wasn't didn't work, but anyway, uh, a devotee named Hari Sari, who was Prabhupada's secretary servant for quite a you know quite a bit, he was the GBC in Australia. He caught wind of it, so he started that same program in Australia. You know before that. Uh, Triparari and Pradosh kind of gave up on it as not being feasible, and I was part of the original team of that. You know, the the members of that program contract. Sales. so one of the things they did was uh, they sent us to Encyclopedia Britannica to, to 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 learn how to sell a set of encyclopedias. We, we you know disguised. We we, went, we didn't go telling we devotees we want to learn how to sell a set of books so we can sell the all Bhagatams. No, we pretended. We actually, actually pretended that we. Wanted jobs as Encyclopaedia Britannica salesman, and we, you know, there was there was four of us. I think one, one, two, three, yeah, four of us that went, and we did it. You know, we made believe we were after a job as Encyclopaedia Britannica salesman, and I remember the one of the things we learned was uh, they told us, you know, said, don't mess around with uh, unqualified leads. So you, you always said they told us you always want to deal with referred qualified leads. He said, if, "If you just you know do cold calls, they used to call it flying by the seat of your pants," and they said, "Don't do it; it's a waste of time." See, so, you know, the people we were contacting was somebody who they they sent in a card, you know, on, on, on trying to um, you know pursue so on some promotional offer that was in a magazine or a newspaper or something like that, you know, indicating some interest, or they you got their name from somebody who already bought a set of Encyclopedia botanicas. Those are the kind of people that you would contact. You know, to just stop Joe uh, you know Joe Schmo on the street, they told us that's a waste of your time. Don't do it. You know, as I said, flying by the seat of your pants. So the reason I'm mentioning this is because uh, that's, the, that, that's according to the laws of material sales, you can't sell anything like that. But here's the devotees, they're, they're doing that every day. They're just flying by the seat of their pants. They're going out and meeting total strangers, but because Krishna, the, the Krishna factor is there. You see, the Krishna factor is what makes the impossible possible. That's the only way I can understand it. Because we're doing something that, not, we, that let's take that devotee. His name is Dira Lalita. He did something which, according to the laws of you know, material salesmanship, is impossible. You can't sell a set of Encyclopedia because to somebody you're meeting on a parking lot, Walmart parking lot that's a total stranger. But he did it 40 times in 100 days, you see? Uh, just one, one story kind of like the, the coming in from the other side here. There was this, um, and Sarva Bowman might be aware of this story. There was this group of devotees. I can't remember which airport they were in. Maybe Chicago. I, can't, I think it was Chicago. Anyway, they were distributing the books, and they were doing really good. And there was this guy who was a professional salesman for something or other, and he was watching them. You know, He was, he was watching the whole group of them how they were stopping one person after another and the people were taking the books. And he, and he kind of, and he was a salesman himself. So he thought, dang, this, these guys are to something. So he kind of, you know, met the devotees, introduced himself and talked to them and said, Hey, uh, so wait, wait, can I do this? I mean, you know, could, could you guys hook me up? Can of give me, you know, I'd like to buy some of your books and can you, you know, give me a go at it. And they said, sure, sure. Yeah. So the guy bought like, I think it was two, two, two and a half thousand dollars worth of books and he thought he was going to clean up, you know. He thought he was going to make a killing on the market because he was a, a salesman himself and he was supposedly good. So he thought this is a breeze. I'm going to make a lot, of, you know, just a bunch of money in my spare time here. So he got the books and he started approaching the people just like he seen, you know, was watching the devotees do. And the guy couldn't sell a book, you know. I mean, I maybe he sold a few books. I can't remember, you know, the exact statistics. But he was finding he found it really hard. To the point where, after some time, he went to the devotees and says, "Hey, look, could you guys do me a favor? What? Could you buy back these books? You know, <laughs> it's just, I don't know how you do it. I mean, I can't even sell one of these books. I don't know how you guys do one, doing one after the other. See, so because well, he didn't have Krishna's mercy, he wasn't a devotee. The devotees get Krishna's mercy, and that's how they're able to do it, and that's why the karmis can't do it. So there's the Krishna effect. So getting back to the the question somebody asked about the, the strategies." The most important strategy in distributing the books is have a desire to do it and try. And then Krishna will, you know, uh, he'll reveal to you how, to, how you can do it successfully. And one practical, real that, that's pretty philosophical, one practical tip along those lines is there is, I mentioned it. there's this group uh, in Iskon Silicon Valley, ISV. And it's, uh, the leader there is a devotee named Vaisheshika. And he is like super empowered. Uh, he's the one who's kind of like spearheaded and behind this whole thing of of uh, selling all these sets of Bhagavatams. He's basically the person who's kind of like p- pushed everybody else, you know, inspired everybody else who's who's done it. He, he's, the, uh, he's the initial push, so to speak. So they have, um, is, uh, if you're on WhatsApp, WhatsApp uh, they have a group. It's called uh, NASLT, North America Sankatan Leadership Training. I think that's what it stands for. But you could become part of that group. You could contact somebody in ISV that's in you know San Jose area, and become part of that group. And they and they have conference calls. You know they meet, and uh, if when you, when, you, when you get in with that group with that sangha, you it's just contagious. It's contagious. You know you 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 get caught up in it. They 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 had they have kids up there selling sets of Bhagavatams. You know the, the children of wow. the devotees. they were during the the COVID when when it was at its peak there. They had the kids making phone calls to people and telling them about the books, and they were selling sets of Bhagavatams. The kids, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 year old kids. So, you know, the desire is the big the desire and the association. So, if anybody wants to, you know, get into the book distribution now and during the marathon or at any point in the future, I would suggest contact those devotees up there. They're not hard to get hold of n-a-s-l-t on whatsapp or just make some phone calls you know to uh iscon silicon valley you'll get them you'll be able to track them down and once you make that connect with them then uh you're off and running anybody else have anything they would like to uh
2: Okay. That's
0: well, the desire. well the, yeah, the association is kind of how you get the desire too. So,
2: yeah, it just uh, brings back to memory um, when uh, Sarah Obama and all of us, the Dallas and Houston crew, during the uh, the Christmas season, we do the oil paintings, and as um, one devotee, Indranila, my...
0: Yeah. Oh, yes, John, you know, Yes. She, she was just
2: huge. I mean, even be, not just during the, during the seasons, you know, the holidays, but she was just huge on syncreton, and it was just amazing. And you brought back that. It was her desire to to serve, the reason she done so big.
0: Yes, yeah, she had a great desire to please her spiritual master. Yes, yes, yeah. She fulfilled that. I remember her. She was great. Well, uh, looking at the clock here, it looks like uh, I, I kind of went over the, uh, oh, no, it was supposed to be a kirtan at 6.20. Well, no, was, I no, kirtan was supposed to be at 6 o'clock, and then the announcement's supposed to be 6.20, and then you close. What time is prashadam served, So We haven't quite that one out
1: yet. Yeah,
2: I yeah, need <laughs> virtual prashadam. <laughs> You've already given that to us, Prabhu. Okay, thank, thank you. You've given our virtual Prashadam. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much for inviting me. I hope uh, you know it was okay. And Hare uh, Krishna. Any announcements of any kind? I could, you know, I could turn it over to Sarva now. It looks like you have other things you guys do at your meeting here. I could just turn the floor over to my host here and. Uh,